0: everybody welcome to this week's learning the tropes i'm aaron i'm clayton i'm your romance novel veteran
1: and i'm the virgin
0: and we're your hosts hi clayton
1: hey aaron how's it going oh it's going okay
0: but yeah so this is a this is another ending of sorts so we are have finished the Ravnals. Um, yes, and this week we read the final Ravenel, and I think it is going to be the final Ravenel. I would be surprised if there's another one after this. Um,
1: well, she ran out of Ravenels. <laughs> she ran
0: out of Ravenels, as we learned in this book. She could create new Ravenels possibly at any moment, um, but I think she, um, yeah, she changed it. The series to the Ravenels meet the Wallflowers at a certain stages at a certain stage, so. There you go. Um, this week we read Devil in Disguise by who else but Lisa Klepas. Um, It is Lillian and Marcus's daughter uh, Merit's story and care. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Thank you for saying that first <laughs> so I didn't stumble through it.
0: So, um, yeah. What do we think of this cover?
1: Oh, I don't love this cover. You don't? Uh, no, the dress looks like she's got tomato soup stains all over it.
0: I know. Grow. When I was little, there was this one Ralph Lauren uh, bedspread that everybody had that had these big roses on it. And this looks like uh-huh. that bedspread.
1: It's a bedspread dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she looks so, gorgeous,
0: uh, and she looks like what I think Merit looks like.
1: hmm Yeah, I mean, it's not a horrible. It's just that dress is, yeah, There's so, it takes up so much of the cover, and it's not a great-looking dress.
0: I think also, like, the dress and then the background is really busy, too, where there's, like, yes. a lot of flowers and a lot of different colors, and... It's like pink flowers that match the p- pink flowers on her dress and then the blue background that's unnatural and then there's like red dots. It's, it's just a lot and I think if either the background was a little quieter or her dress was a little quieter, you know. Yes,
1: the blue is a weird choice mm-hmm. and I'm a blue boy. I love blue.
0: Yeah. Blue is my least favorite color. So here we are.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. I mean blue, I like blue cuz I'm a boy and boys like blue.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there you go.
1: It's a boy, it's a boy color.
0: Um
1: uh, and also I have blue eyes, so I think it's like I just like blue.
0: Oh. Yeah, I it's a, it's fine. It's a it's a I it like it matches co- sort of all of the covers in this series are just the heroine with a giant dress. So in that way mm-hmm. it all kind of goes together. And I will say sometimes heroines could be in like really unnatural poses. And this seems like a natural pose. And also the model looks like what the heroine is described as. So like those points are win. I would say it's like a middling cover, especially for Clayfast where she can have really fantastic covers. It's fine, which I think goes mm-hmm. hand in hand with our feelings for the book. But before we get to that, Clayton, what uh, was this book about?
1: Well, yes, this book is about Merritt Sterling, who is running her husband's shipping company, her late husband's shipping company. She meets Kerr, who's like a Scottish uh, whiskey company owner, Mm -hmm. and they fall in love. He gets amnesia uh, and then snaps out of it. (laughs) And then uh, we... People were trying to kill him, and that's how he got uh, he got uh, amnesia during an attack. And then we find out some very intr- uh, 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 crazy information about—God, uh, I forgot how you said his name. Kerr? Kier? Kier. Kier. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how to feel about it, I'll be honest with you. The big revelation, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what the book is about.
0: Um, well, let's talk about the big revelation because I think it's very—it's going to be very hard for us to talk about anything else.
1: Yeah. So the so, re- so, so he yeah he's he, Saint Vincent's son. Mm-hmm.
0: He's illegitimate. He's not. He's not legitimate. He's illegitimate.
1: He's a illegitimate son, and so he did not have. He has a son that is not one he had with Evie which I feel like I haven't read about how people reacted to this book in any way I feel like maybe that's something people don't like because that love affair is so central to like Lisa Claypest fans they love St. Vincent they love Evie so it seems to me like a weird decision to make yeah I mean, I don't, I don't hold it as, like, cherished as a lot of people do. But I just think in general, it's like, why, why is my question? And also, he was a very boring... I, I think both of these characters, to get into this, they did really nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why him as the son of one of the most, like, captivating characters she's ever created?
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And other than him being, like, incredibly hot, mm-hmm. that's it, – it was strange. It was just, like, a lot of, like, changing the character that we knew Sebastian to be to now yeah. fit this. And I think mm-hmm. – I don't know if it was just that she was like, okay, well, I have to write one more book. In this series, I've run out of ravenels. Like, what do I do? Yeah, and so she was like, I guess I'll create an illegitimate son. But it's also, it's like, uh, I, you know, Sebastian was known as a philanderer,
1: so yeah. it's, it's not surprising that this something like this would happen, yeah, in it, you know, uh, realistically, mm-hmm. but for the purposes of these books and that character, she can choose whatever she wants to do. So she could just have it like, you know, he just never knocked anybody up or it was taken care of, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: It's like we also have two other wallflowers that, as far as I can remember, haven't come back into this series with Annabelle and Daisy. And it's like, it, could they mm-hmm. be one of their alleg- I don't know. It's just like the Sebastian of it all. I... And I think the thing that's interesting about this book, and I remember when I read it the first time, I hated it. I will say I didn't okay. hate it this time. There was a lot more that I enjoyed about it this time.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but I think it's this kind of the thing that also frustrated me was that Sebastian had given Cordelia. Who is um, Kier's, Kier's mother, mm-hmm. a key to his watch that he carried around with him always.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think if you think back, and like reading the Devil in Winter was so long ago now, but if you think back, like the whole thing was like Sebastian didn't have feelings and he yes. only wanted to have sex and then keep it moving. He did not form attachments to anybody, which made him the fact that he wanted to form an attachment with Evie. That's the crux of the book. That's the whole thing. So I think having this idea that he had a relationship with this woman that was so meaningful that he gave her the key to a watch that he kept And so meaningful that she would put him in charge of her estate. Mm -hmm. So takes the wind out of the devil in winter. And that's the part that's really upsetting. I think had it just been like, oh, I didn't know that I had a child. This was kind of a one night stand thing. I don't even really remember her. Then I think I'd be like, okay, like he was having a lot of sex. I understand like he probably wasn't like the best with prophylactics and like that could have happened. But I think the fact that it was hinted that there was like a deeper relationship that was had that I'm like, okay, well, now this is kind of shitty.
1: Well, and it's doubly because we know, having read a lot of Lisa, how important items are, Mm -hmm. like certain items and things are so important to the – relationships in these books these these uh forever romances in these books right and the fact that that was that happened between him and another woman does seem to be a bridge a little bit too far you know yeah because it's one thing to to, even if you would have said he was in love with somebody previously we've had heroes and heroines who have had quote unquote love beforehand, right? But it's that that is such an important thing in the Lisa Clay Pass universe. Mm-hmm. And to have it between him and somebody that isn't Evie just does seem like antithetical to 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 what normally should be.
0: Well the the character that you set them up as. Yeah. Because then the whole thing about him falling in love with Evie is how powerful that connection was. And it was kind of the first time that he really wanted to be with the same woman and form this connection. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: Evie really made him work for that. And that's what keeps that relationship. That's what makes that relationship so special in the book. And so, yeah. Yeah. I agree. And so I, I think him having an illegitimate son is fine, but I think it was handled strangely. I also was reading an arc of this book. And so I don't know if some things were changed. Cause there was also like just like odd things in the book that I read. And obviously like an arc is not like the official last thing, but like characters names would change and stuff. Um, And it just felt like Lisa maybe, and I don't know what else was going on in her life at the time. I obviously don't want to speculate. It was the pandemic, but it just seemed a lot of kind of half-formed ideas. And part of me was thinking like, I think had she had time to go over this one or two more times, it would have been solid because there were things that I thought were interesting that I did like, like. Merritt being a widow, I think is interesting and running her own business, but not mm-hmm. necessarily being like this is what I want to do long term. And yeah. her insta love with Care here is fine and they have sex basically like the first night that they hang out and 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 all of that was great too.
1: Hot sex, great sex.
0: Oh my, yeah, the sex scenes are phenomenal in this book. But I mm-hmm. think um That's great, too. And I that was interesting. And then that he had amnesia. Like, there are some crazy pests and there's some crazy romance novels with amnesia. We love them. And so Mm -hmm. that was even fine. Like, the moment um, Merritt shows him how to work a typewriter and types their names together. And so this is a piece of paper that, like, Kier fishes out of the... Uh, trash to keep as like... because he saves
1: it, yeah. Which is
0: fantastic. And then after he has amnesia and he's driving away from the house, that piece of paper falls out of his wallet and him looking at it is what makes him remember that he has like fallen in love with her. And then he books at home. He just runs. (laughs) Like that's a great scene. That's so much fun. That was like high drama. That was high camp. That was like what we're looking for in romance novels. I loved that. So there definitely were those moments that I thought were really fun, but... There was so much else that was just like so messy. And I think we don't like to talk negatively about books in general. But I do think like with yeah. Kleypas, we've read now so many of her books. We know she is a genius and a master at the mm-hmm. genre. Like that is not up for debate. That that yeah. I think now seeing her stumble, um, we know it's not for a lack of skill. But I think if anything, it just shows how skilled she is and that. Her fall- her having a book like this is so rare, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And like you said, it, it it did come out during the pandemic. I'm sure the writing of it, obviously we know nothing about the personal life of Lisa Kleypas, mm-hmm. but it wasn't easy for any of us. Yeah. You can assume that there was situations and things going on and maybe she had a deadline that had happened before this whole thing happened and she had to stick to it. We don't know. I think also, I mean, I I don't, I'm just speculating maybe that it was like, you're going to do seven of these books. And when it got time to do seven, she was like, wait, I don't have enough stuff to make seven of these. So now it's Wallflowers and uh, the Ravenels, you know, like mm-hmm. it felt like a swerve and it could have been her choosing to do it but it's still this this book in general feels extraneous Mm -hmm. like it feels like it doesn't need to exist and of course nothing needs to exist but this one especially feels like there's not a reason for it to exist especially in this series you know
0: yeah and the thing is too it's The idea that this series, which is kind of Wallflowers Part 2, is what it's basically morphed into, Mm -hmm. that it would end with, here's the thing, that it would end with two of the Wallflower's children getting together, I love that as a, like, putting a pin in the story, their families are combined. But this isn't two Wallflowers. This is a Wallflower's husband and a Wallflower, daughter, Mm -hmm. like a wallflower's husband's child. And I think it just seemed so, so shoehorned into there where, yeah, it's like, we don't know about, maybe it's like, it could have been one of Annabelle's sons. It could have been one of Daisy's sons. It could have been, I don't know. And so the, the moment at the end where it's just Sebastian and Westfield together in the parlor and their families are celebrating Christmas together. I love that. I love that moment. I mm-hmm. love the idea of them spending holidays together, being so close. They're, you know, Merit calling Sebastian, Uncle Sebastian. Like that brings me great joy. <laughs> and that's what yeah, I want. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, And I did read some reviews that said like, oh, there's too much of the side characters. I mean, I loved the Wallflowers together. And when Evie and Lillian got together, I yes. liked it. I thought it was fun. I would also just read a book about just their like going around town sort of situations for the Wallflowers because I do love them so much.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. It it wouldn't even have to be romances. They mm-hmm. could just be like, what are they doing? Just hanging out.
0: Yeah. Um. Oh, my, the scene where like because Meredith and care Ker- Ker- care. They love to fuck. And, like, listen, mm. a, a lot of our characters that we read, heroes and heroines, like to fuck, but these two be fucking. And yeah. to an insane amount, to the point where I'm like, I'm exhausted reading about all this.
1: Yes, yes.
0: But they start having morning sex, and then her mother walks in. Mm. And I can truly would burst into flames and die. There's, there's, I wouldn't survive (laughs) it. I've been, I've been with my husband now. We've been married for five years. We've been together for 12. Yeah. The idea that my mother would ever know that (laughs) we ever slept together is upsetting to me. And so I'm just like, oh, they, and they seem to like handle it. So like, oh, what do you think? What are you going to do? And I'm like, you wouldn't be so embarrassed. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: I guess I would be, yeah, that. I mean, that is a, 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 a weird situation, definitely, uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, and I just thought maybe it needed a little bit more. But then mm-hmm. I did love the scene of, like, Lillian coming upon him and just immediately swearing and just being herself. And I'm like, God, I fucking love Lillian so much.
1: Yeah, Lillian's the best.
0: Um the other thing to talk about and I think this is something that is like kind of pervasive in romance novels and I will say when I read this book the first time I was like in the middle of kind of like a fertility journey is all I really Oh, uh, we say talk about
1: that. miracle sperm.
0: Yeah. And so I think yeah. reading this book and the idea being like so merit Could not conceive with her husband. She went to a doctor, found out she had fibroids. And the doctor said, Mm. basically, you won't be able to have children. And now, women with fibroids can get pregnant, but there's, like, a lot of early pregnancy loss that can happen. Um, But it's not impossible. And I guess at that time, maybe they didn't know that or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I remember reading this book for the first time and being like, oh, this is great because you so rarely in romance see a couple that has fertility issues and then is just kind of like okay let's move on and create a life and it doesn't matter
1: yeah
0: and in this book they have you know when she tells kira about not about being barren which she calls it um he like kind of weirdly gets upset like that that scene was so strange. And I was like, this is the scene that needs like one or two more passes because
1: mm-hmm.
0: he was upset, but then he was upset at her husband, but he's like, but I don't want to talk ill of your husband. But he like made her think that he was upset with her. I, I just found that odd. And then at the end, the book kind of ends with Marsden, um, uh, with Westfield and, um, sebastian talking about that merit is pregnant and that that's kind of the end and they're like well he has this he's like has he's this virility so of course he's going to be able to get a barren woman <laughs> pregnant and also like sebastian that's a crazy thing to say considering you just found out you have one illegitimate son you're basically admitting to like i probably have dozens out there um oh yeah So the idea in romance of this, like, I can't have children, but I will be able to have children with you because I really love you. Mm -hmm. Like, because our love is real and stronger than before, that is how we'll be able to have children. And I find that to be such a hurtful um, and upsetting trope that happens. Um, And so I think when I read this book the first time, I was so, like, disappointed and hurt by that. Um, And that it was really hard to then even like look at any other aspect of the book because of the, I don't know, the weight of that was, felt really massive and it felt like, you know, I was obviously bringing my own things into that, but it was just, it really annoyed me. And I would really love it if more romance novels ended... With people being okay with that situation, and it seems to be
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know either they adopt or they're childless by choice, which is both fine think like obviously whatever you want to like it's it's everybody's own decision, but I don't know it's interesting because then is that a happy ending I guess is the is the question
1: yeah, yeah I mean it, it yeah it. The, yeah I mean I can't speak to it too much because obviously I've never had that situation but I do remember when that situation was going on mm-hmm. and I could see the how how it was for you and Pat so you know I could see how difficult it was and like and uh, you know it's it's not a fun thing to go through so I could totally see having Read this book during that period of you really being like, okay, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you, it's hard to not, you know, bring personal things to these books because mm-hmm. that's what we do, right? Like, you could read a book like you did now where things are, I mean, it, it may not be as like, As, like, soft of a spot, even though it still is, right? Mm -hmm. It's maybe not as raw. Right. And you were able to overlook certain things in order to enjoy this book a little bit more. But, yeah, sometimes things just, like, really... That's why when people kind of make fun of trigger warnings, it's like, yeah... But it depends on like where you are in your journey. There's Mm -hmm. somebody who could be like, well, I had this happen to me and I don't feel bad about reading this at all. And it's like, well, yeah, but what was the distance between you and it happening? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's so many things. So it's like, I don't think that's a bad thing. And so that's why it's like people are, when you read something or you watch something and it like hits you in a spot, like that's it's okay to warn people about that. You know, I think it's to completely say this shouldn't exist is not right, but to say like, Hey, if this is happening to you and you're sensitive to this right now, or at any time, maybe skip it. You know, I think that's completely okay to do. So do you think if somebody would have given you a warning about that before you read it, would you have maybe not read it or would you have said, okay, now that I know, I'm going to be able to like step around this in a way?
0: I, pro- I mean, at the time I wouldn't have read it. And I yeah. think obviously now I'm in a different place and I was, and I am happy that I read the book again. Like honestly, okay. I did enjoy it. It was a good reading experience. I think it's not to the level of Clay Pass. That Claypass has been in, in the past, and that I know her to be, but I still think like Pass like a C book for Pass is still a very good book, you know.
1: Yeah, so, I mean Lisa is like pizza. Mm-hmm. Like, there's it's there's not really bad pizza, right? Like, I mean, maybe you know cafeteria pizza or whatever, but like even that is like I better mean I than love a cafeteria a
0: square pizza. Let's do it
1: yeah they used to have these little like uh round personal pizzas at high school, oh. and they were just like the dough was was like really not firm mm-hmm. and it wasn't cooked completely, mm-hmm. but it was still so good, yeah. And that's what Lisa is. I'm not saying that this is an uncooked dough pizza, but it's you know. I would it's say it is. I think enough. that is
0: the the yeah. big fault that we have with it, where it's like could have used maybe 15 more minutes in the oven.
1: Mm-hmm. Because I, yeah, I, absolutely.
0: Because we've read, listen, we've read bad books, and I oh, w- yeah. would not say this is a this is not a like bad book in that way. But I think no. it's uh, you know, it just it just wasn't really to the level and yeah i think i probably wouldn't have read it and it did make me think kind of uh you know because i i think the thing that was hard for me during that time too is like romance i started reading it as such a um like a safe place to go um Mm -hmm. and you know that there's always the hea and it felt very comforting to me and it felt like a secure place and i think when i started going through that that those issues, it became a not safe place for me. And I think that was the thing that I was also dealing with within myself. um, Yeah. Was that kind of change and how that felt and kind of managing that because, you know, pregnancy and babies. And I would say more in historicals than contemporaries for the most part. That might be yeah. a generalization. But right, how I'm thinking right now, that's what I'm going to say, um, tend to be uh, more of that that way, too, where there's kind of a, a happily ever after with a, a baby and a pregnancy announcement. Um, yes. Made it more difficult. And so then I would also kind of kept returning to books that I knew didn't have that. So it was like a lot of rereads, mm-hmm. but, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it does beg the question with romance, where how how safe should it be? You know what? How how much of a safe space should it be? You know, and I guess that can vary from book to book, but is romance? It, it, should romance challenge? Is the question? And I yeah. think it depends on your state of mind you know like sometimes you want a romance that challenges you and sometimes you just really want to just sink into a warm bath and know that this is going to be a bumpy ride but not bumpy in the way that's truly going to make you look at yourself in a way that is uncomfortable you know
0: well I think that's what you said about trigger warnings you know what I mean? Or the importance of kind of like knowing these things as you go into a book, because yeah, I'm not saying that people should not write books where women who do not think they could get pregnant do get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously people should write every kind of book with every kind of story in it. And I don't think that they should be overly concerned with the audience in, in that way. And I think the, the issue, and I guess this isn't like a fully formed opinion, and I'm kind of still working out like even what was upsetting to me. But I think yeah. the thing that I found frustrating was that I knew if a woman couldn't have children, the answer would be a surprise epilogue baby 99% mm-hmm. of the time. Like, honestly, yeah. the only time, the only book that I can think of where a woman can't conceive and then. Just they don't have children at the end. Is that Elizabeth Hoyt book, The Ghost of Saint Giles, where I can't remember the title, but basically this guy runs an orphanage
1: and mm-hmm. falls in
0: love with a woman who can't have children. He's like, yeah, I don't know, I deal with kids all day every day. I am verified with this fact. Um, yeah. So that.
1: W- but even that, there's children in their life. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like that also is a little bit of a cop-out, too. Because, like, look at all the children I actually have. You know what I mean? Where it's like, can children just not be in the equation at all and people be happy? That's a question, you know? Which I think the question is uh, is answered. That Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then there's definitely, like, Joanna Shoup has written a few books where it's just childless by choice, which I think is pretty revolutionary and interesting. And I think... Here's the thing. Okay, maybe this is it. Okay. I would just like it to be different experiences. And I think part of romance is this like happily ever after. And I think that we have been seeing a happily ever after that looks the same. And I Mm -hmm. think it's interesting. And if we could just kind of expand what that can mean. So obviously yeah. still have those books. I think that's fine. I also think that's a story that some people want to read and want to hear and makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so great, like wonderful. But I just think I would just like to see more books where um, Happily Ever After just looks different, you know?
1: Yes, because so. it is different for different people.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't always look exactly the same. And listen, I'm not talking about the couple not ending up together at the end.
1: Yeah. Trust. No. no,
0: that is still happening. That is not up for debate. But I'm just saying kind of those other things where, you know, I think that maybe that's it. That might be all I'm thinking. Yeah. That's all I'm saying.
1: And I think there is a, a level, too, with this trope of, like, um, f- on the man side, where mm-hmm. it's, like, to equate be- – being able to get pregnant with the virility of the man mm-hmm. or the manliness of the man, right? Mm-hmm. Where you couldn't have a baby because that person wasn't a man mm-hmm. or wasn't as much of a man as I am or as the hero is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That to me is is a trope that isn't too great because, you know, there's so much about, how manly a man is, what makes a man a man, you know what i mean? And i'm talking like obviously nowadays there's a more liberal idea of what makes somebody manly and and you know there's a lot more leeway with it. Mm-hmm. But just in general like there is still that stigma of if you can't get your wife or girlfriend or partner pregnant, there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. right? You're not man enough. Mm-hmm. There's people who will think that. And I think that is a real shitty thing mm-hmm. because you're already, no, I, I, I mean, listen, if there's a man who thinks that they're like as manly as they want to be, I've not met them. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know men who are like, I'm as manly as it comes. And obviously, like, you know, my friends, you know, so I mean, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this. But even like real manly dudes, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's part of them that are like, well, my dad was a man and I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. that's like such a bar that we're always reaching for no matter what. And so I think that for on the man side, there there is uh, an issue with, with this sort of story too, mm-hmm. where it's like, I should, my sperm should just be so strong that no problem will stop it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, I think it's just a bad trope in general.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, I think you it's know. a bad trope to be the only trope, to be the thing mm-hmm. that we assume is going to happen because- it does happen as well. You know what I mean? It's not like that Merritt had a hysterectomy and then became pregnant or something. You know what I mean? Like she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was possible for her to get pregnant. But I think. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the issue isn't that it exists at all. I think the issue that it is like the standard.
1: Yes. Yes. Know? Anyway. Well, so Aaron, let's get to something <laughs> a little bit more frivolous. Would you fuck them? I mean, yes. I mean, yeah, they're so hot. They love to fuck.
0: They love to fuck. They I both mean, seem they so hot. I mean, if they could slip
1: us into their, into their schedule of fucking each other, <laughs> I mean, it would be a booking issue here, really.
0: Yeah, because they're, if they're alone, they're having sex. There's no, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's no, uh there's no question about it. But yeah, and they both seem very sexy. Yes. So, I'm into it. Nice. Alright, shall we do Goodreads lists?
1: Yes. I don't have the notes in front of me, so this is gonna be surprising.
0: Okay. Did I not send them to you?
1: You didn't, but that's fine. I didn't. Yeah, it's okay. It's oh, not I'm big. Sorry. Uh, no,
0: nah, don't worry happened. about
1: it. It's fine.
0: Heroes and heroines with amnesia. Yes. Favorite historical romance novels.
1: Uh, I would, I mean, listen to each their own, but I would say no.
0: The best of Lisa Kleypas. No.
1: Um, no.
0: Best Regency, reason. Oh my gosh. Best Regency romance. Uh, They're not in the Regency.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no, not. mm.
0: (laughs) Top five Lisa Kleypas books.
1: Uh no, I mean I, I I mean listen, I I we love Lisa, but mm-hmm. like if if you've read a lot of Lisa, I don't understand how this could be other than if you just really like St. Vincent. It,
0: otherwise it, unless you really like what?
1: Uh, uh St. Vincent.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm uh, it wouldn't be top 5, I think, you know? Yeah. It's a it's a good book, but it would not I don't think it'd be in my top 10 for Claypess because she has written so many no. like, fucking phenomenal books that,
1: yeah,
0: yeah there's, it, it just isn't. And listen, when you have a body of work like Pess's, it's like, she has more stunning books that I'm obsessed with than not by a wide margin. And this just isn't one of them. And that's it. Yeah. Um, Gentle Giants in Romance.
1: Yeah, he's a big dude.
0: And he's a sweet guy.
1: Yeah, he's a sweetheart.
0: Historical Romances with More Substance than Your Average Wallpaper Setting. All right. Judgmental. What?
1: Yeah, I don't like the tone of your list. No. So I'm going to refuse to uh, acknowledge it. hmm
0: Fair. Best Historical Romance Novels with Sensible Heroines.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess she's sensible.
0: I will say something that I loved about Merit as a character is like she is so clearly the daughter of Marcus and Lillian In mm-hmm. the way that she acts and moves through the world that I really loved that. I'm like, yeah, I get that this person is like genetically linked to them and also was socialized with them because she is such a combination of like their pig-headedness, Like Marcus's like stubbornness and Lillian's kind of wild streak. She really has a mix of them both in a way that I thought was like a really, like a really well done character.
1: Yeah. This, this, this book, if anything, like it just so reminded me why I love Lillian so much. Lillian Mm -hmm. was my favorite. Yeah. Uh, um, And I totally like miss her, Mm -hmm. you know? She was best. She was the fucking best.
0: I I love her so much. I love her so hard. She's amazing. Um, Oh my God, you almost died. Straight edition.
1: True. Yes. On the list.
0: Scottish hero falls in love with English heroine. Mm Mm-hmm. Hero or heroine almost dies or becomes gravely ill or injured a few times. Yeah. The way that they fucked for the first time all night after he had been stabbed hours before. Yeah, perfection. Great, love
1: it. Oh, yeah. Only a young man could do that.
0: He, she was fully straddling him on top when he had fresh stitches in his back. That's how much they love fucking.
1: And also, but ask any guy, he they would. You know what I mean? It's like
0: <laughs> if they if they're like having dinner with a hot little number, it doesn't matter how many times they've been stabbed in the back. It's happening.
1: Oh, yeah. If I went on a date with a girl that I really liked and we went to a pizza place and walked out and I got stabbed like three times and she was like, instead of going to the hospital, do you want to come to my place? I'd be like, yes.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: I'd be like, we're splitting the Uber, though, right?
0: (laughs) That's different. That's a financial decision, but you're like –
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, I'll bleed out. Maybe just before I bleed out, throw me in an ambulance. But
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Let's have sex. <laughs> um, Victorian romance working hero.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh, something we didn't talk about that I did like is that Kier had really lovely parents who he really loved and who really loved him and had a really nice, solid childhood. I did like that. A rarity. I know. But it was, I did like that about him. Like, he did have, like, a solid upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, widow heroines and historical romance.
1: Yep, she's a widow.
0: Intelligent romance. Again, don't. It's
1: always intelligent with Lisa. I know. Lisa ain't no dumb dumb.
0: And what's a stupid book, anyway? I don't like this, like, smart ro- It's like, calm down.
1: Yeah, well, smart romance always has Star Wars references in it.
0: <laughs> That's how you know it's smart. They've seen one movie at least. <laughs> he,
1: the, they've seen the same movie everybody's fucking seen a million times.
0: Yeah. Um, best rogue rake romance books would not say he's a rogue or a rake.
1: He's not a roger, right? His daddy was, but he ain't.
0: No, and also I love that he has this beard for half the book, and they're like, "Oh, why don't you shave it?" And he's like, uh, "If I shave it, I'll be too handsome, and women throw themselves at me, and it's embarrassing. So I need to I'll go up." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, self-made hero historical romances. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of. He inherits his father's distillery, so it's not like you are inheriting it's completely a completely self-made. But, yeah. Uh, all right, Clayton, what are your tropes?
1: Amnesia, Scottish hero, uh, uh, working class hero. Oh, magic sperm, <laughs> our least favorite. And uh, oh, I was going to, oh, there was another one that just totally slipped my mind. Uh, those are my tropes. Though. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, what are your tropes?
0: Um, so my tropes are widow heroine, orphan hero, secret father, two good dads, one bad dad, which I think on average, a solid amount of dads, mm-hmm. um, amnesia, banging it out of your system. The first time they have sex, they're both thinking we'll just have sex this once and that we won't ever worry about it again.
1: Which, Famous last words.
0: My honestly, banging it out of your system is my favorite because it never ever works, and it is so much fun to read. Um, mm-hmm. You almost died. Compromised. Merit is compromised, but she keeps being compromised around people that like love her and would lie for her. So she has to keep be like, "No, mm-hmm. no, I'm compromised," and they're like, mm, "We won't tell anybody." And they're like, "She's like, no. Well, that that doesn't help. it. No, you have to say I'm compromised. Yeah. Injured sex." Um, Insta-love. They pretty much fall in love immediately. Baron heroine. Magic penis. Yes. And then someone's trying to murder me. Someone is trying to murder Kier.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: And listen, books that should be made into movies. I still do think that the Ravenel series would be a banger of a series to watch, and I do Mm -hmm. want to watch it. And I would really appreciate it if somebody would option these books. And listen, if you want to hire me to write them, I'm in. I'm in. But
1: You you won't turn it down. I
0: won't turn it down. Never. I'll be in there. I'll help. I'll write such good episodes, you'll fucking die. But I think it is – it so lends itself. Even this book is pretty cinematic, so – You know, putting it out there for all of the executives who I know listen to this podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hey, listen. You never know. But I do think this book would work better in a, like, TV series setting. Because you would have these characters that we have seen throughout other seasons show up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And also, like, there's a lot of scenes that are just, like, very funny and very witty and just interesting to watch, like uh, uh, this is like the rare point where I think like this would maybe even make a better thing to watch than read. mm Hmm. So yeah. Um. Yeah. So those are the those are the tropes. Um. Any last thoughts about Devil in Disguise or the Ravens no. in general? I guess.
1: No, just I mean it. It's mm, it, it was a. Odd ending to the series. Mm-hmm. And Lisa has not published a book since this, correct? Yeah. So I'm just curious to see what she's got up her sleeve next.
0: We'll be listen, we'll be ready for it, whatever it is. We'll be yeah. ready to read it. Mm-hmm. Um all right, Clayton. Well, what has you swooning this week?
1: I'm swooning about an album and it's not the album I think you're thinking of, probably.
0: I have two in my mind.
1: Yeah. It is an album by a Canadian band called Always, Mm. which was a band that I always loved, no pun intended, truly no pun intended. But their latest album, Blue Rev, is a just quantum leap uh, in quality. And I love the first two albums. And this is just such an awesome album and it's been five years in the making. They haven't had an album in five years. And it was totally worth the, the wait. Uh, it's like indie pop, shoegazy, sort of jangly, just everything that I love. And so many of these songs are just playing on repeats on my iPod shuffle <laughs> because I'm an old school crazy person. And I bought this album on Bandcamp. And I bought the cassette. I bought the cassette. And you get the free download with the cassette. So I love this album. And I can't say enough about it. It's just amazing. It's favorite album of the year so far. Wow. So always, Blue Rev, pick it up or listen to it on Spotify. What were the two that you thought I was going to say?
0: I thought you were going to say either Carly Rae Jepsen or Midnight's.
1: Yeah. So here's here's how why I feel bad for Carly Rae. She drops her album the same day as Midnight.
0: Yeah. Not smart.
1: That she did not. Well, listen. She didn't know because her album was supposed to was they actually had a promotional cycle for And was like, this album's going to come out on this date. And then Taylor Swift swoops in and says, I'm going to just drop my album on this date. So Mm -hmm. I feel bad. I feel doubly bad because I really haven't listened to Loneliest Time all that much because Midnight dropped. So are you swooning about Midnight?
0: I'm not sweating about I listen, I really loved Midnights. I would say I don't love Midnights as much as much as I loved folklore and evermore, but I still have been listening to it nonstop.
1: I have listened to it nonstop, and I will say enough with the beats. Ah, I yeah. do not want Taylor Swift with beats. Listen, she can do whatever she wants, but beats and Taylor Swift do not make good music. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's some songs on this album that I really like, and Hero, I think that's a great single. Love it. These songs that just sound like someone was noodling with uh, a beat maker, and then she just scatted over. Mm -hmm. These are just like half-formed ideas. And even her half-formed ideas have things in them, but she's reaching the point now where nobody's telling her no, and there's some really sort of cringe-inducing turns of phrase and things on this album that she has every right to put out, but she's reaching this level where quality control is not happening you know.
0: Well, she obviously she can say and write and put out whatever she wants to do. We can also say Absolutely. we don't like it. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. we're not saying yes, she yes. should be imprisoned. We're saying uh, eyeliner sharp enough to kill a man is cringy of a lyric. Like that's embarrassing.
1: <laughs> I have to skip that I skip that song every time because I can't I can't like physically deal with it.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> It's tough. It's tough. And I think that like Jack Antoff is a very talented producer. But you know, let's see who else is out there. It's like,
1: yeah, people blame him a lot. But it's like he is there to facilitate what people want to do. Right. You know, like he's a producer. So he's not like, you know, he's not Phil Spector with a gun to someone's <laughs> head. He's uh, I, that uh, that I know of. I feel like Taylor Swift wouldn't allow that. So he is facilitating. You know,
0: I think so too, but also I think when you work with somebody, then you it's the tendency can be to just like fall into this rut, and this is kind of what he likes to do and what she likes to do, and so that that ends up being kind of because I agree a lot of the songs, the beats, and and stuff like that, it, it ends up being too much, and not that like obviously Taylor Swift is her own woman and she's making her own decisions, like I don't want to act yeah. as though. The reason she's successful with Jack Antonoff, that is ridiculous. But I think when you then maybe match up with a different collaborator, things are going to end up sounding a little bit different just because well, you, I mean, you're working with what somebody else.
1: That's what happened on her last two albums before this where mm-hmm. she was working with the guy from The National. I mean, he definitely brought out something in her that was different, but she obviously was guiding that ship, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, it's still... You know, it's still a great album, but it's just not – I'm not, like, blown away. But like I said, I am listening to it nonstop, so.
1: It's more Reputation mm-hmm. than Lover, which I think is – Lover is, like, a underrated album of hers.
0: Yeah, I saw somebody say that they thought that this was basically, like, every song in the album was a response to one of the songs on Reputation, which I'm like, that is interesting.
1: That is interesting. If you yeah. want to kind of
0: dig into it that deeply. Yeah. Which, as a Taylor Swift hmm. fan, you're almost obligated to pay too much attention to things. <laughs> or you can. Yeah. You know, she definitely invites that if that's something you want to do. Or you could just listen to the music. Well, that,
1: yeah, that's the thing. You can dig deeper into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so since that's not what you're swimming, swooning about, what is your swoon, Aaron?
0: I mean, maybe I'm just swooning about trick-or-treating and swooning about Halloween. I don't know. I mean, like I've been watching some stuff on TV. Nothing has like really grabbed me and Ben,
1: super What about uh Hulu's Reboot?
0: Yeah, there's Reboot. I really do love Reboot. It's written really well, starring Rachel Bloom, who is fantastic in this. So maybe I will suit about oh, and that. and
1: also And it's very bad. And also, yeah. What? Go for it. Mm-hmm. And also. Uh well, who's who's the other woman in that? Um, why can't I think of her name? That's great. <laughs> the lead actress in it. Julie um Judy Greer? Judy Greer. The great Julie Greer.
0: I mean Judy Greer is amazing. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key is there. Yeah, Johnny Knox. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, yes.
0: Yeah. It is so funny to really- Paul Reiser. Paul- Ah, oh, I do miss Paul the Reiser. The great Paul Reiser. I love Paul Reiser. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guy who looks like Feifel's dad.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Whatever
0: his name is. Um, yeah. No, Reboot is really fun if you're looking for a good show. The season finale just happened this week. So, yeah, maybe that one then.
1: Yeah, that's a good show. It's fun. Uh, I have to catch up. I, I think I saw the first five episodes, and I'm I'm a little bit behind. But they're so easy to just burn through, you know?
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so then just as an update, and I know we talked about it before – But just in case you missed that. So this book is our this is our last book episode of the year. So we are going to be taking a hiatus um, on book episodes until January. Um, you know, just for ourselves, just because we have other projects that we kind of felt like we really needed to focus on in that time. We do still have a few episodes that will be coming to you. We have a great interview um with Gigi Griffiths who wrote uh The Empress, um, which is the mm-hmm. novel companion to the H, uh to the Netflix show The Empress. So honestly, if we're swooning, let's swoon about the Empress, which is a it's a it's a series about uh, empress Cece, and her life is was basically a romance novel so it's it's a really great book and really great series um we will be finishing virgin river um
1: we- yes we need to have that will be <laughs> dropping at some point in the next few weeks mm-hmm. definitely
0: yeah, we kind of fell off that accidentally. Um, so some things will so definitely stay subscribed because there are gonna be, we are gonna be dropping things into the feed. But we just wanted to give everybody a heads up um, that there won't be any more books. But of course, keep emailing us if you do have ideas for books that you would want us to read when we come back in 2023. Because um, mm-hmm. we always love to get suggestions. Yes. Um, yeah. Anything else?
1: No, I mean, do you need to do the whole where you can find us? I mean, Instagram... Twitter (laughs) our email I mean all this stuff is in the show notes right I
0: know so don't forget to rate review and follow us we are on Patreon if you go to patreon.com and search learning the tropes you can email us at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com we are on Twitter at learning tropes on Instagram at learning the tropes we have our Facebook troop and with the holidays coming up we do have merch linked below
1: yes All right, Aaron. Well, until next time. Happy reading. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye.